The family of God is a huge extended family. It's all over the earth at this point. There are people everywhere that are our brothers and sisters in Christ. There's all kinds of language in the scriptures about the family of God. Of course, we've got our heavenly father. That's probably the most obvious uh, indication of family in the family of God. And it's this great, huge kingdom, this massive family. I just want to give one example of some scriptural language talking about family. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is in the middle of his ministry and he's busy preaching to people and this situation comes up. So let's look at Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Here, Jesus very clearly indicates that those who follow the Lord are part of the family of God. So let's look at the family of God today. And I've got three things that I want to cover, three things I want you to know about the family of God. You know, every family is unique, has its own idiosyncrasies, has its way of being, and the family of God is no different. There are certain things that we just need to understand about the family of God in order to engage the family of God the right way. So here are the three things that we're going to cover today about the family of God. The first one is that the family of God is an adoptive family. The second one is that the family of God has a way about it. And the third one is that the family of God owns and operates a family business. So let's talk about these three. The first one, the family of God is an adoptive family. There are families that have adopted kids, of course, that have biological and adopted kids. Some have only adopted kids. In God's family, there is one biological son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, the son of God. All the rest of us are adopted in. All the rest of us did not begin in the family of God. But we were brought in. We were adopted in. So the family of God is an adoptive family. Let's look at this from Romans chapter 8 and from Galatians chapter 4. So these both written by the Apostle Paul, of course, uh, through the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But we see similar language in Romans 8. And Galatians 4. So the same thing said to different audiences. We can believe that this applies to us as well. So Romans 8, starting in verse 14, says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So here, 
verse 15 says, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So, and by him, we cry, Abba, Father. So we know we are connected with God. We see our God is our heavenly father. And that sonship, adopted to sonship, the Greek word there was a, a legally binding word in the Roman culture. And of course, we're just reading Romans. So we can believe that that would have been understood at that day. And it meant full adoption with all legal rights as a biological child. So that's what adopted to sonship means, both in Romans 8 and in this section in Galatians 4. So let's read Galatians 4, 1 through 7. It says this, What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So we see Abba, Father in Romans 8 and Galatians 4. We see the heir, co-heirs with Christ. God has made you also an heir here in Galatians 4. So we see powerful imagery of people being adopted into the family of God. Now, the good news is that God adopts all kinds of different people into his family. If you want to be adopted into the family of God, you can be adopted into the family of God. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But also, it means that none of us have an exclusive right to the family of God. This is an open family, a family where new people are brought in and included and given the full rights as sons and daughters that those who are already there also have. This is an adoptive family. It's a family where new people are welcomed in repeatedly over and over. The family of God is an adoptive family. Then the second thing we're going to talk about, the family of God has a way about it. You know, families have their own particular subculture. Each family has its own subculture. You know, a family might be a hockey family. A family might be a dysfunctional family. You know, a family might be a loving family. There are all these different subcultures. The family has its way about it. And it's the same way with the family of God. The King James in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, the King James calls the, the family of God a peculiar people. They're different from everyone else. Now, we're going to read the, uh, the NIV version of that, but uh, that is so true. The, the family of God is a peculiar people, different. There is a way about the family of God which is different from the way that uh, is outside of the family of God. So let's look at 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, 
and try to get a feel for what it means to be part of this family. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we see some hints about what the family of God is like. This is a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So the way that the family of God carries themselves is different than the outside. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, chosen people, God's special possession. That's the one that in the King James is translated peculiar people. God's special possession separated unto the Lord. You know, and we declare the praises of God. That's part of the culture of the family of God is to honor and declare the praises of our father in heaven to have received mercy to know and be aware that we've received mercy and we've come in to be part of this family and are thankful for that. But this family has a way about it, which is different. We're a peculiar people, a holy nation separated out to God. Now there is a transition that we go through when we are adopted into the family of God. We have to learn the ways of the family. In fact, early Christianity was called the way. Uh, That was what Christianity was called in the very first years uh, when people were learning about Jesus and in in the New Testament times, it was called the way. So there was a different way of being. People were expected to learn the ways of God and live out the way. So the family of God has a way about it. Let's look at Acts chapter three, and we'll see something here that I think is a fantastic nugget in the scriptures. But let's look here, Acts 3, 24 through 26. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So God sent Jesus to bless us by turning us from our wicked ways, turning us from living one way to now living a different way. If you get adopted into a new family, you'll have to learn the ways of that family. And it's the same way with the kingdom of God. We get adopted into the family of God and we learn those new ways. Let's go back to uh, Romans and Galatians, the sections that we already read about being adopted in. And let's look at this adoption and how something changes inside of us. Romans 8 verses 15 and 16 says this, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we receive a spirit 
when we follow God, when we learn the ways of God, there's a change within us, a new spirit, a spirit that is aware that we've been adopted into the family of God and that we are the children of God and we can call God our father. There's a different spirit. The same thing again is described in Galatians in verse six of chapter four, where it says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So this transition into the way of God happens through the spirit of God sent. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So there's a spirit, there's a way about the family of God. And it's a good spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us and helps us to learn and grow. It's a different spirit than the spirit of the world. This is something that's very important. That when we come into the family of God, when we're adopted in, we're adopted in to this new way of being. We have to learn the family rules, the family way. And that is described the way that the spirit moves us in the family is described in Galatians chapter five. So just the very next chapter after Galatians four, we read in Galatians five that there's a certain thing in the hearts of the family of God, the people, the sons and daughters of God that comes in by the spirit of God. And that's the fruit of the spirit. So Galatians 5, 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The way of the family of God, the way they carry themselves, the way they walk through this life, a holy nation, a royal priesthood separated out to God and full of joy, love, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the way of God. We're adopted into God's family, and then we need to adopt the ways of God. So the first one, again, the family of God is an adoptive family. And the second one is that the family of God has a way about it. And we are to engage life to see things the way that God would have us do that. We're adopted into the family of God. And then we adopt the way of God. The third one is that the family of God owns and operates a family business. Now, uh, of course, there's families that have a family business, and that can be a blessing, but there's also great responsibilities. If you're born into a family where there's a family business, uh, I wasn't raised in a family that had a family business, but I've seen, of course, many situations like that, and there's expectations put on the children to engage in the family business. So what is the family business that is owned and operated by the family of God? Well, I think uh, this is most clearly stated in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus gives the Great Commission. This is what the family business 
is all about. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So basically, the family business that the family of God has is to adopt in new people and to help them learn the ways of God. Now, why is this the family business? What, what is God getting at here? Well, you know, there are many people in this world that are alone, who are desperate, who are lost. They're, they're drifting and unsure of what's going on. They don't feel safe. They're living in fear, like what we read in some of the verses that we looked at already. And God wants to help them. And God brings his family along to help them. That's why this is there, because there are people living in misery and pain and loneliness and fear, and God wants to rescue them. So we go to Matthew 9, starting in verse 36, and we see why Jesus has us do this. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The heart of God goes out to those whom he has created, who are here on this earth, who are hurting, harassed, and helpless, who are missing the abundant life that God has for us, that are caught up in the darkness and evil of this world, God's heart breaks for them and he wants to rescue them. And so that is the family business. We are to adopt in new people into the family and help them learn the ways of God. And then this perpetuates it. So once someone is adopted in and they learn the ways of God, then they get involved in the family business, which is adopting people in and helping them learn the ways of God. And then it just keeps on going. And so all the darkness and evil around the world, we see the exploitation, the loneliness, the victimization, just the cruelty of this world. The plan that God has is to bring people out of that darkness into his family, into that light. And once people come out of the darkness into his family, they learn God's ways. They stop being part of the darkness, part of the evil of this world. And then they begin to reach new people to help them get adopted in and learn the ways of God so that they can reach new people. And that way, all the darkness around the world can be overcome as the family of God grows. It perpetuates itself as people are adopted in, they learn the ways of God and they get involved in the family business. Now that's a beautiful picture, don't you think? What a great answer to the darkness and evil and cruelty of this world to bring people out of the darkness and cruelty of this world into adopt them into a safe, loving family where they can learn a new way 
to live a new way to see this world, a new way to understand themselves that is good and beautiful and wonderful and makes them an heir of eternity. And then to share that with others so that they can be rescued and set free. What a great, great plan. Amen. (laughs) But sometimes it just doesn't exactly work that way, right? Sometimes it gets messed up. How does the adoptive family get messed up? Well, let's talk just briefly about lost sheep and prodigals. There are people who haven't heard. They're lost sheep. They're people who are harassed and helpless and no one has come to their rescue. No one has helped them to see that they are dearly loved by God and that there is a plan for their life and that they can break free from the darkness and evil and the hurt of this world. And they can step into the loving family of God. They can receive mercy and be part of that people of God that they haven't heard that. So that's where missions and evangelism are so vitally important. We need to be aggressive in missions and evangelism so that the people who are are like lost sheep, they don't know how to find God. They don't know how to come home. They need someone to go get them. And that's, you know, the family business again, go get the lost sheep, go help them, bring them in. So sometimes the adoptive family breaks down because people don't hear. That's our responsibility. We've got to go get them. Then there's also prodigals. Prodigals are people who know, but they don't want it. They know that they belong in the family, but they leave the family. They don't want to be part of the family. That's a prodigal. They run away. How do you know which is which? For me, understanding the difference between a lost sheep and a prodigal is very important because you don't want to go chasing prodigals. In Luke chapter 15, when the prodigal son left, the father let him go. But when the prodigal son came home, the father welcomed him, forgave him, and brought him back into the family. So a prodigal, we don't chase, but we let back in when they're finally ready. The lost sheep, we go get. So if they don't know their way home, they're a lost sheep. If they know their way home, but they don't want to come home, they're a prodigal. How do you know which one you are? You know, maybe you think of yourself as a lost sheep, but if you know the way home, if you know the terminology that I'm using, then you're a prodigal and it's up to you. It's your decision. Don't expect the church to come chasing after you. If you know how to come home, come home. That's and take your place, your adoptive place in the family of God. That's how that works. The second way that this can get messed up is with the family of God having a way about it. If people don't live in that way, then it messes things up. And this is bad Christians and false prophets. You know, bad Christians mess this up. Romans 2, 23 and 24, one of my very favorite scriptures because it's so poignant and so direct, says this very, very simple thing. You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So what that means, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. It means that there are people who don't learn the ways of God. They don't walk in the ways of God. And yet they, they claim to be the children of God. And that gives God a bad name. It causes his name to be blasphemed. It means people attack God. They look down on God. They malign God because of how his people work. So when we don't learn the ways of God and we act in hypocrisy and foolishness, 
then it drives people away from God. So that messes up the adoptive side and it messes up the way of the family of God. And it turns out real bad for the uh, bad Christian. We go to Matthew chapter seven. This is quite a strong statement that Jesus makes. 721 through 23, it says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name, drive out demons and in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. These are people who did not adopt the ways of God. They did not walk in the ways of God. And the response Jesus gives them is, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers, because they did not do the will of the father. They did not take on the ways of God. Now, of course, you want to be wise with understanding these things. We can make mistakes. We can do something wrong and then try to straighten out. But if we're walking completely separate from the ways of God and we're trying to represent God, be children of God, but we're not walking in his ways, it messes it all up. And it's bad for us. We don't want to be that person. And I think here's my controversial statement for the day. Ready for my controversial statement? I think that sometimes Christians can think that forgiveness solves every problem when it actually doesn't. The fact of the matter is you can't apologize your way to integrity. Integrity means you're a person of your word. If you are not a person of your word and you apologize for it, you can get forgiven, but that doesn't make you a person of your word. And when we are Uh, walking with God, if we keep failing and keep not doing things the way God wants us to, and then just think, well, I'll just get forgiven and that'll work out that it still doesn't work because we're not living in the ways of God. We're not taking on that. Then there's one thing that's even worse than bad Christians. And that's false prophets. That's a whole nother step worse. And Jesus in that same chapter in Matthew chapter seven Jesus warns people to watch out for false prophets. Now, if Jesus warns us to watch out for false prophets, why would he do that? Because there are false prophets. So Matthew 7, 15 through 17, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. We talked about the fruit of the spirit earlier. And these false prophets are people who they know the religious language, but they don't have love in their heart. They don't have peace and joy and patience. They don't have those things. They've got pride. They've got elitism. They've got anger and hatred and selfishness. You'll know them by their fruit. So you don't want to follow false prophets. Don't let them control you. God is worth following, even though there are bad Christians and false prophets. Still find the way of God. Still connect with God. Don't let bad Christians or false prophets take you out of your adoption. So this all can get messed up when we have bad Christians and false prophets. And then the third thing we looked at, that the family of God owns and operates a family business. This can get messed up 
when we have no-shows and unproductive workers. You know, if, if there's a family business, but nobody shows up for work, it's not going to work out. It's not going to go. People will bury their talent. They won't bear fruit for the kingdom of God for whatever reason. Let's see how serious Jesus takes this in John chapter 15. Uh, John 15, Jesus is encouraging people to stay connected. His disciples specifically, this is actually during the Last Supper, expecting his disciples to stay connected with him so that they can bear fruit. John 15, 1 through 6. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus says. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. God is very serious about the family business and us serving in the family business. If we don't show up, if we don't bear fruit for the kingdom, if we don't use our abilities and our time in order to serve the kingdom of God, then we're in a dangerous place. You want to show up. You can worship God. You can love God by yourself in the woods, but you can't bear fruit for the kingdom of God by yourself in the woods. Be part of the family of God and get to work in the family business. And then also, if we don't get good at the ways of God, we're not going to serve effectively. Hebrews 5 says something pretty poignant along those lines. 11 and 12, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, by now you should be teachers. You should be involved in the family business, but you don't even know the ways of God yet. So we got to start over and teach you the ways of God so that you can serve effectively in the family business. They obviously weren't cast out and removed from the family, but it was a disappointment that they weren't learning the ways of God and able to be effective and productive in rescuing people from the darkness and the evil of this world, the harassed and helpless people, those who are alone and who don't see value in themselves. They're not able to help them because they haven't learned the ways of God yet. So the family business can be messed up by no-shows, and unproductive workers. We need to grow in the ways of God so that we can serve in the family business. So let's embrace the family of God. And this is simple. It's very simple. Step one, be adopted in. The offer is there for everyone. The price has been paid. I understand that if you want to adopt in the United States, it's going to cost somewhere around 30 grand to adopt a child into your family. The price for us to be adopted has already been paid by Jesus on the cross. He shed his blood so that we could be taken from this dark world into the family of God. So be adopted in. Ask for forgiveness and say, I want to be part of this family and walk, walk with God. So step one, be adopted into the family. Step two is learn the ways of God. 
You know, learn how the family does things. If we don't do that, it messes up this whole plan. So learn the ways of God and then get busy in the family business. That might seem like a daunting task, but it's really fairly simple. For most people, being busy in the family business is living your normal life and then looking for those God moments in it. Looking for the God moments day by day as you work your regular job, as you hang out with your regular family and your regular friends, and you look for those God moments. Come to church, volunteer, give, but just live your life and look for those God moments. That's how you get to work for most people in the family business. Some will be called into ministry. Some will be called to be missionaries in a foreign field. But for most people, it's just living your life and looking for the God moments day by day. So here's my question for you as we finish up. Where are you at? Do you need to be adopted in? Do you need to learn the ways of God? You know, my, my mom was big into setting the table nicely. I learned how to set the table, where to put all the different utensils and that sort of a thing. It doesn't really matter one way or another, but it was a way in my family. Now adopted into the family of God, there are new ways to learn. Are there the ways of God that you need to learn so that you can be part of the family and not have friction and difficulty? Are you in that place where you've been walking with God for a long time, but you haven't gotten to be part of the family business? Engage that. Grab hold of that. So look at yourself and try to find out what today's step is for you. So we're going to pray Uh, If you have a specific prayer need, you can email us, prayer at goodhope.ag, and we'll pray for you. Thank you for those who've been sending in prayer requests. We've got many people sending in prayer requests, and the prayer team is doing a great job. So hallelujah for that. Be sending in those prayer requests. But let's pray, and let's take today's step forward in taking our part in the family of God. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, help us to see ourselves for who we truly are right now, this moment. Where are we at? Do we need to be adopted into your family? Are we out on the outside wandering and and hurting and separated from you? Lord, thank you that you have paid the price that we can be adopted into your family. You have paid the price and your arms are open wide. So we know we can come in. And we come in by receiving that gift, that gift of forgiveness and pledging our lives to walk with you, to being part of the family. If that's where you're at, make that pledge right now. Lord, if we've been walking with you, but we've not been learning your ways, Father, help us to see how serious it is when we don't represent you well and people make fun of you. They malign you because we act in hypocritical or non-Christian ways. Help us to learn those ways, to believe that it's possible for us to do that, to believe that your ways are good. They're better than when we aren't walking in your ways. And then are you in that place where you need to be productive for the kingdom of God to serve in the family business? Then, Lord, show us how to do that, what steps we are to take, what ways we're to get involved, but help us to look for those little God moments each day as they come up. Let us make the most of every opportunity. So Lord, bless us, encourage us, help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.